Good afternoon, my name's uh, Robert Lederman. I run a small local IT company. Uh, we provide auditing services and bespoke software to clients, do data protection act audits, that sort of thing. Um, this is my contact details. As an aside, we use and have used open source in the business every day for the last 10 years. We don't run Windows desktops, we don't really run Windows servers. We still do some Windows development for customers because that's what pays the bills occasionally. But most of our development work is now done in Linux. Now, today, <clears throat> I'm going to talk about open source in business. I'm going to um, focus mostly on the open source that's available under Windows, primarily because if you're running Linux, you're liable to have a pretty good knowledge of... Uh... Hello, come in. Yes, if you're running Linux, I'm going to assume you've got a fairly good knowledge of what's out there, but I will cover some of the other um, things that are available you might not be aware of that run under Linux. Um, I'm going to cover the opportunities you've got for profit and reducing costs in your business um, by using open source software. And that, that, those opportunities are available whether you're a dentist or you run a car shop or you run a big development house or you have nothing at all to do with software. Um, and really I'll cover how you'd go about selecting them and, and, and so on, the usual sort of business items. <coughs> you can see there, you, you, a lot of the time you are using open source, possibly without even knowing it. Certainly Google is, is the biggest example of a successful open source business. They run um, open source servers. That's what you're using when you use Google. But all of these devices and a whole load of others have got open source software in. That doesn't necessarily mean Linux or whatever, but open source software. And mobile phones are going that way as well. You know, for businesses, for the people that develop this, it's great. If they open the source and let you share it, they get developers for free. It saves them, saves them the cost of employing people. Give you an idea of what's out there, really. These are the sort of things, the, the same things you can do under Windows. There are some exceptions. I'll cover that later. Games is one thing that, that, aren't, that isn't really available under Windows. But then we're talking about open source in business here. I don't know many businesses that play games all day other than games developers. Um, so, so really, you've got everything here. And one I came across recently, in fact, a couple of weeks ago, was clinical research software. People using, doing research in, in drugs have to have um, regulated software recording patient information and so on. And there's, a, there's now a couple of these available, um, which was new to me. That, again, I encountered that a couple of weeks ago. Now... <coughs> You'll hear the term open source, and I don't know if it's always explained, Aaron may well have explained it. If you're in at an earlier talk, Aaron may well have explained what the open is all about. But um, in case you don't know, I'm going to cover that now. And the next slide is the really the only technical slide in there. I'm not going to ask questions, but it is quite a technical diagram. Um, you don't really need to remember it, but this is really what happens. The programmer writes a script, source code it's called, but it's a script. It's, it's going to tell the computer what to do. It goes through the magic of compilation. It doesn't really matter how. And out at the end, pops the program. If it's Windows, it'll be that. It's the program. Notepad, Word. They all go through this. Now, classically, in Windows, you get this. Microsoft Word, Word.exe. That's what you get. You don't need any of this. And most of the time, you don't really care, because it just works. So this is the source of it. Open source means that if you want, and also usually in terms of license, you can get this. Okay? So 
that's the open bit and the source bit, really. Uh, so you get the source code, yeah? It isn't always free. Okay, this is my definition, and not everyone agrees with this, but you've got, today it's called free and open source software. But you can get open source software, that's software for which you get the source, which isn't free. You're provided with the source so you can make changes yourself, but you're not allowed to sell that source on. You send it back to the original developers, and then they reissue it as a new product. I've used products like that under the Windows world. You get free software. Um, some antivirus package is completely free, but you don't get the source, so you don't pay for it, so that's free software. Then you get what's known as free and open source, <coughs> which, is, which is exactly that. It doesn't cost you anything, and you get to keep the scripts, the source code, the originating code. You could rebuild it yourself if you want to. Okay, and all of these apply. I'm not going to go through them. So you get, the, you get the source. You don't necessarily get the programmer, but you get the source. You could hire a programmer later to rebuild package from the source. That's really it in terms of the science bit. Um, why would you care if you're running a business, really? Why do you actually want the source code? Why, I'll just have the exe at the end. Oh, I don't the source code. Well, what can happen is your supplier of, particularly if it's a, a niche piece of software, say if you're a dentist, let's take that as an example, you've got a special piece of software for a dentist, and they go bust or are taken over, um, you can end up with a piece of software that you can now no longer use. Um, and you're stuck. If you've got the source code, you can actually rebuild that for your new PC uh, or your new operating system to run under Vista, say, or Windows 7. Um, you've got that. If you need to make changes later, you can do that. You can hire a hairy, sandal-wearing techie to come in and rebuild it for you. You haven't got to do it yourself. That's why really it's important. In some regulatory fields, it's important to have what's known as a scrowl, which basically means a legal agreement to the, t to the effect that if you as a supplier go bust, I get to keep the source code to make sure that they can continue to use this. Again, in the clinical field, you might have a study that is running for seven to 10 years you don't want to lose your software supplier in that time, but if you do and you've got the source code, you can continue to develop the software as you need it. If you're a programmer, you usually know all of this. Yeah? You, can, you can do all sorts of things. One thing a lot of people don't realise about free and open source software is your ability to recompile it, rename it, file away OpenOffice, or whatever you want to call it, and resell it. That's fine. Depends on the terms of the license you get the software, the um, source code under, but you can do that. Um, often, again, depending on the license, you'll find that uh, the license will say that if you do reset it, you have to supply the next person the source code as well, including any changes you've made. But really, you know, that's, that's it. I've done this. I've produced a firewall called Guardian Box, which we sold around the world. It's now called the Fab One. Tom Tom done a similar thing. BT Home Hubs, they're all doing the same sort of thing. You can get the source code for it and so on. Now, um, once they've done that, how do these people making open source software actually make money? I mean, why would you do this as a programmer? Yeah. 
often what you'll find is the program's free, the source code's free, you get it all, they'll sell you support if you want it. Now, for your average home user or a small business, support might not be important, but if you're a big corporate user, usually or often part of your purchasing process is purchasing the support for the software. Yeah, In fact, often the, the purchase price of the software is in a different budget than the running costs of the software. Purchasing price of the software can be discounted, depreciated, it's just like buying a new building for the business, that sort of thing. But the running costs are dealt with and you have to have a support contract before you can have any software in-house. That's how an open source provider would make money from you as a business or as a business you can make money as a, as a provider. Yeah. Training, training and using stuff, yeah. Everyone buys, well not everyone buys, people buy a lot of Microsoft Office training. The same can apply to Open Office. Yeah. And in case you think that that's just not realistic, you can see here, yeah, when I first gave this talk in 2008, Red Hat was worth about 340 million. It's now about 500 million and they've entered the Standard & Poor's index, which is an index of about 500 companies who are reckoned to be a good investment. Red Hat produce open source operating systems, not, not the smaller programs, but we'll come to that later. And I do this, basically. I use open source products and build servers for companies and database for companies and so on. I contribute back by either making uh, donations to the developers or by contributing back code. I've contributed back code to a few things. Yeah. So it isn't quite as daft as it sounds. The, the idea really is to commoditize the software, the operating system to a certain extent, to get rid of the actual fact that there's a cost involved in getting the software, but to tie down your customers with a service fee. If you're selling this open source software, any of the services, that's a better model than selling the software because you're getting a monthly predictable income. If you just sell the software, once you've sold it, two years down the line, there's usually no more income from that piece of software unless you issue a new version and so on. So. As a developer, it gets you out of that cycle. Now, as a business, you're probably used to, if I buy a copy of Microsoft Word, I've got to get one per user, yeah, license per user. With open source software, that's usually not the case. I say usually, it depends on the license, depends. Sometimes you can get an open source version with no support, but if you buy support, you buy a commercial version which has a license again. Again, depending on the license, you might be able to rebrand and modify it, sell it on as your own. You don't make claims that it is your own, but the changes you've made, in effect, make it your own. And again, depending on the license, you might have to provide the source code on. And usually, not always, you can't change that license to be more restrictive. You can't in general, again, depending on the license, you can't say to the next person who receives the software from you, you can't do what I did with the software, which is to develop it and sell it on. As I said, it depends on the license. Caveat emptor, if you're going to be buying software, check the terms and conditions. It's exactly the same as if you're going to be buying Microsoft servers. You have to know what you're licensing. It's quite awkward in some, with some businesses, Microsoft particularly has criticism of them, is that their licensing structure is opaque. So you're never certain whether you need a license per CPU or per server, 
per user, that sort of thing. So for open source, it's the same thing. Find out what the licensing terms are and stick with them. Now, again, there's more, there's more like this, more on licensing, really, but you might be thinking, well, Google here, you know, they're using open source code. Surely they have to give us the code they've used. Well, not. it's available on the internet, for instance. But really, they're, they're selling the service, which is the search service. Now, because of that, they're not giving you the software, they're just giving you the service. So they haven't got any duty to provide you with the source code for their search engines at all under the license that they're using, GPL2, the particular license that's available. There is a new version of GPL3 which really tries to get around that and force, I use that word, force companies who use open source software and might develop it for a service to also give you that software. It's been resisted by a number of people in the open source world as well because they don't see that as a freedom, really, then you're, you're really removing that company's freedom to do what they like in the software. Um, sometimes, as well, the software, as I said before, is available under two licenses. You might have a commercial license. That, ironically enough, is usually driven by the purchaser rather than the vendor. The purchaser may have a company policy that says we will have a license per user. I know that sounds bizarre. Large companies can be bizarre. So you may well find that you can't get the open source software and use it in your company if you're a large company because there is no license that matches it. Yeah? And this one's quite important if you're looking at open source software. It might still make it enforceable. You might be able to enforce something with the developer. You might not. Um, in, in, in the case of what might be called closed source commercial software, yeah, it might be enforceable. However, if you've ever read a license agreement, it basically says, you know, you're responsible for this, you're not allowed to give it to anyone, but if we break your entire system, we're not responsible for anything. So, you know, this idea that a commercial closed source license is better isn't always the case. You'll usually find they disclaim any liability for, for damage. If you just download the program, an open source program, which you're free to do, you're on your own usually. But as I said, they all have disclaimers and no warranties. The same is the same for open source. So again, if you're considering using open source, look at the license, look at any disclaimers and so on. Now, I tend to deal with small businesses, deal with, deal with some large businesses, but certainly in terms of small businesses, this is what I tend to see. I'm sure if there's any of you here who do go into small businesses, you'll see this as well. The antivirus has expired or it's even never been run. It's expired usually because it was supplied with the Windows machine they bought and it expired five years ago and they're usually often written with viruses. These are open source alternatives. Cloudwind is open, open source and available for you if you come across a business like that or if you are a business like that. The next one really is almost a given, which is they'll have bought one copy of Microsoft Office and it's been installed on all the machines. My apologies to you if you run a small business and you haven't done that, but I have yet to come across a business that has done that, to be honest. I don't think it's a deliberate attempt to defraud anyone. It's just a case, well, that's the disk we've got. Why wouldn't we install it on all our machines? <coughs> You've got OpenOffice. 
to do with that. It will do with most of what you want to do. We run it, we get Word documents from all of our customers and we use OpenOffice to open it. We'll open and read Word, Excel, spreadsheets, all the rest of it. Illegal copies of software, somebody's got, somebody's using Microsoft Project and they bagged a copy, to use a technical term, and brought it in to the office so they can use Project at, at work, yeah? Um, or Quicken, they've got a copy of Quicken Accounting. Well, there are equivalents to those. Yeah. The next one is the one I see quite often here, the legal copies of Windows. Most commonly, that's where a machine's gone wrong. They've given it to someone to fix, and when it's come back from that someone, quite often another business, the solution has been to install a copy of Windows Professional over the top of what was on the machine, um, using that person's license, not the original license that the, the customer had. Some of you might be quite surprised that I talk a lot about licenses when I'm an open source person, but licenses are really important. And, and this, this I find just not really excusable. That, that really isn't excusable. You know, that's that's um, you are stealing someone else's property there. You've you got it under license to use one copy of one machine, and, and you, you're breaking the law there. Really. So that, that's quite often what you see. And there's new requirements coming on as well, like the ICO, the Data Protection um, Act, if you like, has been getting tougher and tougher with data loss and has basically said that if um, you could do something to reduce the risk, you should have done it. And if you didn't, you're in trouble. Uh, the example I, I gave to someone a couple of days ago was a council, local council, who had locked their portables away in a cupboard that hadn't encrypted the hard disks. And they were in trouble from the ICO because they could have encrypted the hard disks as well, and they should have done, and that was his approach. There is open source software for that. You haven't got to wait for Microsoft to produce something for you. Tribute. Second-hand PCs, I get them sold to me almost without fail. I don't think I've ever had one that hasn't had the data still left on it from the person who had it. The first thing I do is wipe it. Well, actually, the second thing I do is wipe it. The first thing I normally do is contact them and say, did you know the data's here? Do you want me to back it up? You'd be amazed. Some people have never even backed up the data when they got rid of the machine. Shredding tools, they're free as well. Privacy, you can encrypt your emails, sign it. Um, again, you know, in the clin clinical world, you might take instructions from a um, principal investigator, or a principal investigator might get instructions from the sponsor, the drug sponsor. Uh, they need to know that that email actually came from that person that, you know, to follow those instructions. So again, that's available open source and free. And encrypting file transfers as well, you know, similar sort of thing. All the things you see in the press, you know, they lost 25 million records, it doesn't really matter. It does matter nowadays. You can do that for free. Um, again, all of these are available. And there's solutions to common problems in a small business and some large businesses as well. Now, <clears throat> really the star of the show, in my opinion, is OpenOffice. It runs under Windows, it runs under Linux, it runs under various other uh, operating systems, and it's basically Microsoft Office in all but name. It has a Word equivalent, equivalent of Microsoft Word, equivalent of Microsoft Excel, of... Um, PowerPoint. This is being displayed, in fact, using Impress, the OpenOffice version of PowerPoint. 
it is though a PowerPoint file, so it's opened the other format and it's displaying it. You can save in various formats, including Microsoft Format. Um, there are occasional problems with formatting, but if you've ever used two different versions of Word, versions of Word, then you'll be used to that anyway. Um, and you can use PDF and so on. Macros compose a problem if you've got them written in Excel or Word or whatever because it's not the same program. It looks the same, feels the same, does most of the same, but it's not the same. So again, if you're thinking of moving over to it, you would, you would carefully consider this based on what it is you're doing in your business. If you've got a lot of macros, it's not a wise idea to move to OpenOffice unless you're going to rewrite all of those. Now, <coughs> out there you'll see some of these little party bags. They have got in them um, a copy of Ubuntu, which is an operating open source operating system, but there's also, if you come over to my desk, um, a CD called the Open CD, Open Education CD, which has got an awful lot of this open software that I've been describing on it, including OpenOffice. So, yeah, here's an example of what I've used open source for reason, recently. It was a small business, classically. It was the other side of Edinburgh, but I couldn't get there. But I used called VNC, which is open source, to actually remotely control it, bring up the desktop on my machine. Put Clam in the antivirus I was talking about because they didn't stand a thing. Open Office because they were violating the license terms of, of Microsoft Office because they had it installed on lots of PCs. Put a firewall in for them, a, hard, a hardware one, a separate device rather than a little piece of software which runs on a Windows PC, which is often called a firewall. Separate one, that kept their, their, their network safe antivirus, and so on. Okay. I also put in a hotel reception system, the hotel reception desk. The boss was saying, well, the PC's rubbish, it keeps crashing. When I looked at it, it was completely covered in downloaded screen savers and little games and all the rest. They put a line up, hotel receptionist said, no, no, we never do that. Okay, I'm not going to argue with you. Put in a Linux system. I went back about three weeks later. There was no problem, I was just going back to check. The system's been running fine for three weeks. All over the desktop. Lots of little saved screen savers and all the rest of it, but they couldn't be run. Okay, so because it was a Linux system, not Windows systems, you couldn't run all these Trojan and virus-laden programs. So again, that's another another solution. You can use it yourself, and of course, I charge them. That's how I make money for, for fixing their problem. I didn't charge them for this for any of these, but I charge them for fixing it because that, that's really what you do. Now, you've probably heard of Linux, Linux, or however you want to pronounce it, but that's, as it says there, it's just a replacement operating system. Just a, it is a replacement operating system. You can use it to entirely replace Windows, if you like. You can have it dual boot with Windows. Um, there are lots of flavors of it. The one I was just waving under your nose here is called Ubuntu. I don't use it, I don't like it. I've got that on tape now. But uh, I use something called <laughs> OpenSUSE. It looks more like Windows to me. If you like, there's lots of little. You'll hear Linux people say, "What distro are you running?" In fact, I was guilty of saying that earlier. That's because we think that's important, but it's not. It's all pretty much the same, um, and it's free. But you can, like almost every other bit of open source software, get support from it. Remember, I talked about Red Hat, 300 to 500 million this year. That's what they do: give you the operating system, sell you the service. Great way to make money. <coughs> Uh, 
Why would you actually use it? Um, so I'm not going to read, read through it. Um, one thing I would say is there's no pressure for you to use it. I mean, I'm quite happy to continue fixing people's PCs. That's how I make money. It's great. More Windows users, the better, really. Um, but, uh, you know, Windows 7 is just coming out. You're probably going to find yourself, you know, you, you may have been had a lot of pressure to move up from XP to Vista. You may have resisted that, but the next move is from Vista to, to Windows 7. XP is, is getting older and older all the time. You, you're going to be undergoing quite a lot of pressure there. You would have, probably have to upgrade your hardware in order to do that if you're moving from XP to Windows 7, not necessarily. Instead of that, you could put a copy of Linux, Linux on it and continue to use the machine. Now, obviously, there are disadvantages, so anyone who doesn't believe there are, just cover your ears up now, but uh, documentation, that's a bit of a rude world, word in the open source world for a lot of projects. It is really. Some of them are fantastic. Um, having said that, a lot of people don't read documentation anyway, so what can I say? Um, you can't always get support because it's the program you want to use is developed by two people in Abyssinia and you know there's no way of getting support for it. But you've got the source code, so you could try yourself. If you're a dentist, that's not really an option. You know. Um, sometimes you can't get the hardware to work. I've heard people say, ah oh, yeah, but under Windows it just works. Well if you Google for Windows driver problems, you'll find that that's rubbish. So you know that's a case again of working out the hardware you buy first perhaps. And some stuff isn't available. Safe accounting, say, isn't available under Linux. There are programs that you could run it under Linux, or there isn't an open source version of Sage accounting, say. Having said that, Sage accounting didn't run under Vista for a number of years as well. So it's no real, there's no great difference there, if you like. Um, sometimes there might be regulatory issues as well. Your regulatory body may say, you must use this, it must be in this format. So really, hopefully I've shown you there's opportunities for profit. You can rebadge and resell open source software. You can sell it as a service, so on. You can use it to reduce your costs. Continue to use old hardware and so on. Um, the one thing I'd like to remind you is you should consider it as an option when you select, a, when you select the software. When people come to me and say, what should I be using for this? I'll usually come back to them, probably most annoyingly, and say, well, go and write a spec about a specification about what it is you actually want without reference to what you've got, what you think you might need. Then go and find out what's out there. But when you do, consider the open source solutions as well. It isn't the answer to everything. It's not everyone's answer either. But what I would say is consider it. And just because it's free, doesn't mean that there isn't a cost. Thanks for listening. Any questions at all? No? Well, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Hack Republic Radio. 
HPR is sponsored by caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.